We're going to jump in this morning, week two of our series, Let's Eat, all right? Let's Eat is the series that we're on right now. Last week, we, we, kinda, we talked a lot about religion versus relationship. And as I thought about this whole series, it's really about that. Eating with Jesus, dining with Jesus is about relationship, and it's stripping away religion. And so we're going to continue that discussion today through the lens of communion. And I, y'all, I just, I'm so excited for today. I have such expectation for today. We've seen it in worship already, and I believe that God's just going to continue on through the rest of this service. So uh, let's just lean in. Let's give the Lord our full attention on what he has to say this morning. So let's talk about communion. Communion means the sharing or exchanging of intimate thoughts and feelings, especially when the exchange is on a mental or spiritual level. Intimate thoughts and feelings. Intimate thoughts and feelings, right? And when we, when we apply this to Jesus, communion with Jesus, and we start talking about intimate thoughts and feelings, we will experience something that is powerful that is supernatural, that is miraculous. When we include Jesus in the definition of communion, which is where it all is birthed out of anyway, and we start talking about the fact that Jesus wants to exchange intimate thoughts and feelings with us, communion becomes supernatural. And what, we're, what we want to do today is look at that and examine ourselves. And are we having intimate thoughts and feelings with Jesus at the table? Or are we keeping it very surfacy? Have we made it religious? Because true communion is anything but religious. But if you look in the Old Testament, there are times when sitting at the Lord's table became very religious. And we see the fruit of that. If we read in Malachi chapter 1, starting in verse 6, it says, A son honors his father and a slave his master. If I am a father, where is the honor due me? If I am a master, where is the respect due me? Says the Lord Almighty. Then he says this, It is you priests who show contempt for my name. But you ask, how have we shown contempt for your name? By offering defiled food on my altar. But you ask, how have we defiled you? By saying that the Lord's table is contemptible. When you offer blind animals for sacrifice, is that not wrong? When you sacrifice lame or diseased animals, is that not wrong? Try offering them to your governor. Would he be pleased with you? Would he accept you? Says the Lord Almighty. All right, so what is happening here? What Malachi is talking about is that these priests have stopped bringing their best to the Lord's table. They've stopped bringing their best to the Lord's table. And here's the sad part. They don't even realize it. And God's saying, listen, this, th- what you're bringing, these offerings, these lame and diseased and blind animals, these, these are not worthy of me. And you are making the Lord's table detestable in your own heart. In your own heart. And as you see, in our, the Old Testament, the Old Covenant Uh, table of the Lord versus the new covenant, the new testament table of the Lord are complete opposites. In the old covenant, the old testament, it was up to man, it was up to us to bring an offering to the Lord to atone for our sins, to make things right with him. And this was done regularly. All right, but it was it was up to us to bring these offerings. In the New Testament, Jesus completely flips the script. And he's the one that brings the offering. But we're talking about the Old Covenant and the Old Testament right now. And what they had done is they were bringing lame and diseased and blind animals to offer to the Lord. And the reason why they were doing this, well, there's a couple reasons. One is they lost the thankfulness of this opportunity and the grace of God to allow us to do this. You see, we are tied 
to the reason why this has to happen. We were the ones that cut off ultimate relationship with God through sin. And so it's by God's grace that he allows this to happen. He allows the offering to be brought forth to atone from our sins. And the priests had forgotten that. This had now just become work to them. And it was work that they were doing without seeing the results that they wanted from God. And so that's why they began to offer these unclean animals, because they weren't seeing the results that they wanted. Their people weren't doing what they wanted them to do. They weren't being shown the respect that they thought they deserved. The Messiah hadn't come yet. It just goes on and on and on, whatever that might be. They weren't seeing from God what they wanted to see, so now the table had become routine, had become religious, and had become, without them even knowing it, detestable in their hearts. So the things that God deserved, they weren't giving him anymore. It was like, God, we really want this, we really want that. And oh, by the way, here you go. God, I really am praying for this. I would really like for you to do this. And oh, here. Here's my cast off. This is what the table of the Lord looked like to these priests. I have to ask ourselves this morning, is that what we look like at the table with the Lord? And God even says, try offering this to your governor. Like, is this, is this even good enough for man? Is what you're offering me even good enough for man? Are you putting man above me? Are we doing that in our lives? Are we putting man above God in how we live our life? Here's a practical way of asking that question. Are you as late to work as you are to church on Sundays? Just going to step a little bit back on that one. (laughs) Some people are going, not me, James. I get here 20 minutes early. Praise God. But the priests weren't satisfied with the Lord, and so their offering to God didn't measure up. How backwards is that? How backwards is that? They had forgotten that this place, the Lord's table, is where thankfulness is birthed out of. And they forgot all about that. Contrast that with King David out of Psalms 13. Starting in verse 1, he says, How long, Lord, will you forget me forever? How long will you hide your face from me? How long must I wrestle with my thoughts day after day and have sorrow in my heart? How long will my enemy triumph over me? Look on me and answer, Lord my God, give light to my eyes, or I will sleep in death, and my enemy will say I have overcome him, and my foes will rejoice when I fall. David's clearly waiting on the Lord here, right? How long, O Lord? He hasn't seen the results yet. He's crying out to God. The results aren't there. In other words, for David right now, life is hard. Life is really hard where David's at right now. And he's saying, God, when? When are you going to show up? When am I going to see these results? But then listen to what he says as he continues on in verse 5. But I trust in your unfailing love. My heart rejoices in your salvation. I will sing the Lord's praise for he has been good to me. So in verse Two, he says, day after day have sorrow in my heart. Verse 5, my heart rejoices. Right? My heart, yeah, yeah, I haven't seen the results yet, God, but I know that you are good. I know that you've been good to me, so my heart rejoices. I'm going to cling to the thankfulness of you, and I'm going to continue to lean in to being at the Lord's table, and I'm not going to push away. Because when it comes to the Lord's table, there's really only two options. We lean into Jesus, or we push away from it. And we get up and we leave the table. David is saying, I'm not going to let situations and circumstances dictate how I sit at your table. Because you're good. 
you're good. I'm not going to bring these blind and diseased and lame animals to you, God. You're way too good for that. It doesn't matter if I haven't seen the results. It doesn't matter what my life looks like. You're God. You are holy, and I'm going to continue to give the offerings worthy of you. And so my heart is going to sing of salvation. You are a good God. That's communion with God. Like I said, the difference between the Old Testament and the New Testament, the Old Covenant and the New Covenant, is Jesus flipped the script. And it's not about bad animals or good animals. It's about one Savior. It's about one Savior for all time. No more. And can you just imagine for a second the disciples sitting with Jesus in that first communion, the last supper, the first communion, knowing the traditions of their people. And here is not a priest, but the great high priest sitting at the table with them. Old covenant, priests come and they offer to God, but new covenant, God is at the table. The word who became flesh and dwelt among us, is sitting at the table. And he's not saying, what did you bring me? Jesus is saying, I brought it. I brought it. And the purpose of the table is to do life. And he's saying, do life with me. I brought it all. Paul talks about this in 1 Corinthians. We're going to go to uh, chapter 11. 1 Corinthians chapter 11. We're going to read that first. It's a little out of order of your notes. It says, for I received from the Lord what I also passed on to you. The Lord Jesus, on the night he was betrayed, took bread. And when he had given thanks, he broke it and said, this is my body, which is for you. Do this in remembrance of me. In the same way, after supper, he took the cup, saying, this cup is the new covenant in, the, in my blood. Do this whenever you drink it in remembrance of me. Check this out. For whenever you eat this bread and drink this cup, you proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. For whenever... For whenever you take the bread, for whenever you take the cup, you proclaim. That means on Sunday mornings, that means in your house, that means on Good Friday, on Easter Sunday, whatever it might be. Whenever we take communion, whenever we take the bread and the cup, it says that we proclaim. We proclaim the Lord's death until the day that he comes. What are we proclaiming? When we come up here on a beach's chapel service and we take the bread and we dip it in the cup, we put it in our mouth and we eat, what are we proclaiming? We are proclaiming victory. We are proclaiming victory. You are preaching a sermon to your heart and to anyone else that's watching. Victory when we do this. Because the victory is Jesus' death and resurrection. And that he says there is a new covenant. It's not up to you anymore. You don't have to worry about if this is a clean animal or a bad animal. You don't have to do it all the time. I'm doing it for you once and for all. So I am claiming victory. We are proclaiming Jesus over ourselves, over our hearts. And it brings us back to a place of thanksgiving. That's what we're doing. But are we? Like, are we actually doing that? The word says that's what we're doing. Maybe we're doing it and we're not even aware of it. Just like the priests weren't aware that they were holding the Lord's table contemptible in their hearts. But do we realize that's what we're doing? Do we realize the power when we do this? When we take the bread? And when we take the cup? Let's go back a chapter. This will help us understand a little more in 1 Corinthians 10, starting in verse 16. Paul says, is not the cup of thanksgiving for which we give thanks a participation in the blood of Christ? 
And it's not the bread that we break, a participation in the body of Christ, because there is one loaf. We, who are many, are one body, for we all share the one loaf. It says the cup of thanksgiving. As the Lord's table, taking communion, is where thanksgiving is birthed out of. It's where we are reminded Jesus paid it all for us. How can we not be thankful for that? The priests forgot that. The priests in Malachi forgot that God had given this, them this provision. And it just became routine. It became work. It became something that they just did because they had to. We get to take communion. We celebrate communion. We are thankful because of communion. And this is why. Let's keep reading in 1 Corinthians 10, picking it up in verse 18. It says, Consider the people of Israel. Do not those who eat the sacrifices participate in the altar? Do I mean then that food sacrificed to an idol is anything? Or that an idol is anything? No, but the sacrifices of pagans are offered to demons, not to God. And I do not want you to be participants with demons. You cannot drink the cup of the Lord and the cup of demons too. You cannot have a part in both the Lord's table and the table of demons. Listen, Paul is making a clear distinction here that we cannot brush over. A very clear distinction here. And what is that? There's two tables. There are two tables. There's the Lord's table. And there's the table of demons. Sound a little scary? Sound a little spooky? It should. That's the reality of it. That's why our heart breaks when we see the world, the world sitting at a table of demons and they don't even know it. You want to know what we can be thankful for? You want to know what we can be thankful for when we come up here and take communion? That we have been taken from the table of demons and been placed at the table of the Lord. That's all we need to know. Sermon over, right? I was sitting at the table of demons, and now I'm sitting at the table of the Lord, okay? I am at the coolest of all cool cafeteria tables. Something that was not a reality in high school for me. <clears throat> but when, we, when we follow the ways of the world, before we know Jesus, whether we know it or not, we're sitting at the table of demons who are out to steal, kill, and destroy us. And what Jesus does, he takes us and he says, no, 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 I'm taking you away from there and I'm putting you here. You have a seat at my table. You have a seat at my table. So never, never allow the Lord's table to be contemptible in our hearts because what's the other option? I don't see Paul talk about a middle table, right? And praise God, I say this all the time, but praise God that he's so black and white. Because if there was a gray area, we would all live in it. But there's not. And he has rescued us. He has rescued us from that first table. And put us at the Lord's table. So we proclaim victory. We proclaim amazing grace. How sweet the sound. It saved a wretch like me. I once was lost, but now I'm found. I was blind, and now I see. I was sitting at the table of demons. Now I'm sitting at the table of the Lord, with the King of kings and the Lord of lords. Praise God.
That's where he's brought us. And that's what we can be thankful for. It's when we've forgotten what a privilege it is to sit at the table that we've made it religious. When we forget where we were and where God has brought us, we make it religious. It becomes religious, whether we know it or not. But again, the purpose of the Lord's table is to share life. And I'm going to give you a little nugget of truth right here, and I want you to be very careful. I'm serious about this. Be careful how you react to this next statement that I make, especially men in the room, because uh, you might get yourself in trouble. But did you know that you can be married and miserable at the same time? Okay, ladies, <sighs> maybe I should have talked to you. You can be married and miserable at the same time. You can be legally united and not relationally united. You can have the document signed, but there would be no relationship and no intimacy. And the marriage has become religious. It has become work. It has become even, dare I say, detestable. Because intimacy is gone. It's left the room. It's left the house. It's left the marriage. And all that's left is this legally binding document of unity. We do the same thing with Jesus. We do the same exact thing. We leave intimacy at the door. We make it about work. And then we detest the very relationship that we fell in love with at the beginning. When we sit at the Lord's table, it's to do life. It's to do life. It's to have those intimate thoughts and feelings and conversations with Jesus. But let's remember David here. Because let's not say that sitting at the Lord's table and doing life means that we're always happy all the time. Everything is always great. Right? Like, you talk to those people. Say, how's it going? Good. Good. Like, liar? Like, no, it's not. Like, no, it's not. Like, you're like, what? You know, life is hard. It's hard for all of us, right? Life is pain, and anyone who says otherwise is selling you something. All right. Anyone? All right, a couple people. All right. Um, but, like, come on. And when if we are sitting at the table with Jesus, and he's asking, how's it going? And all we ever say is, it's good. It's really good. Like, you're not doing life with him. And eventually, that table is going to be contemptible and detestable in your heart. Because we're not doing life. We've left intimacy at the door. Intimacy is having honest, hard conversations with the Lord. But that's life. Uh, a few weeks ago, I think it was like two or three weeks ago, um, we had the well service here. If you're new, the well is uh, our women's uh, service that we have about quarterly here at Beaches Chapel. And ladies, if you have not been yet, I don't know what you're waiting for, but you need to go. Um, Hannah Roberts, our Connections Minister, shared uh, at the last one. And she was sharing her testimony, and and I, I asked her permission if I could share this. And um, she said no. I said, I don't care. I'm doing it anyway. I'm your boss. Um, <laughs> I was just being polite, but, you know, if you're going to say no, like, whatever. Um, <laughs> no, she said yes. Um, but she's sharing her testimony. She gets this point in the story of her life where what she's reading in the Word and what she's experiencing in life don't add up. And I'm paraphrasing here, but 
she says she takes her she she takes her Bible and she just says to God, like, I don't I don't believe this about you. I don't believe what's in here about you. Because I don't see it. But the beauty in that is it's not how dare you, right? That's an intimate conversation. Do you know why? Because she was having it with God. We, we cut off intimacy when we say, when, when we stop saying, I don't see this about you, and we say, I don't see this about him. Right? We start talking about everybody else about it instead of him. But Jesus, in those moments, says, hey, I know it's hard, but I'm at the table. You're at the table. Lean in. Don't push away. All right? Because I'm here to do life with you. I'm not here to destroy and kill and steal from you. I'm here to do life with you. And I know that life is hard. I've seen it. But trust me, I will get you through. You just got to be honest with me. Don't tell me it's okay when it's not okay. Right? Don't tell me everything's good when everything is terrible. I want to work in you. And if that means us telling God, I don't see this. I don't see this in my life. He can take it. He can take it and he wants it. That's what intimacy at the table is. That's what communion is. That's those deep and, and, and deep feelings. There's times when we will tell everybody else what's going on in our life and we never tell Jesus. And he's sitting there going, come on, I'm at the table. Do you understand what you have? How you can commune with me? How you can talk to me? Tell me. How long, oh Lord, how long? But my heart rejoices in your salvation. Life is really hard right now, God, and I'm going to tell you all about it, but then I'm going to remember at the same time that I'm sitting at your table, not at a table of demons. God, I was blind, but now I see. I was lost, but now I'm found. And if nothing else, I get to sit at your table. That was Hannah's story. It's David's story. It's Job's story. It's all of our stories. If we allow ourselves to be intimate with Jesus at the table. Um, I'm going to pivot for just one quick second and talk about the season of Visa's Chapel that we're in right now. Uh, the Lord is really, and it, it happened on stage a few weeks ago. It was, it was said prophetically during worship. Um, the words, be still. And I heard that, and it like pff, almost knocked me over. I'm like, that's what the Lord is calling us as a body, Jesus Chapel, to in this season that we're in, is to be still. I really hope that you took me up on my challenge last week and spent a meal with Jesus I've heard some stories um, from a few of you that were really good, really powerful. If you didn't, it's okay. You can do it this week. I, I, I hope that this becomes a practice for us, not just a one-time after this one sermon deal. But in this season of Lent that we're in, um, we're going to do something as a church on Tuesdays to put the practice of being still into action. We're going to open up the sanctuary from 12 o'clock to 1 o'clock. On Tuesday afternoons, we're going to have light worship on stage. Maybe we'll have words on the screen, maybe not. It's really just to usher in the presence of the Lord. And we want to invite everybody who can to come. But there's not really going to be an agenda. In other words, we're not, I'm not going to give an exhortation. There's not going to be like prayer points or anything like, we're praying for this today. This, we're not going to do that. The point is for us to come here, spread out in the room, wherever. Bring your Bible Bring your journal. If you don't have a journal, get one. If you can't afford one, we'll get one for you. And just be still before the Lord. 
can say the things, write the things, pray the things that maybe you've been hiding in your heart. The prayers like David has in Psalm 13 that you need to get out. You've been acting like everything's okay, and it's not. And I want to encourage you to do this when, when you come. Then let the Lord speak back to you. Take your pen and just write down the things that the Lord's saying to you. We're just going to spend that hour being still before the Lord, no agenda, every single Tuesday from 12 o'clock to 1 o'clock in this room. And I'm also calling for all of us to do this as well. I know there's, this is ir- uh, there's irony in this because our series is called Let's Eat, but we're going to be fasting on Tuesdays. All these next six or seven weeks leading up to Easter Sunday, on Tuesdays, and I'm asking the church to do this. I've never asked this before, but to fast food specifically. Don't eat from after breakfast till 5 o'clock at night. Give up food on Tuesdays from that time. Now, I will say this. If you have a health issue, or especially if you are with child, we have some pregos in here, something in the air, y'all do your thing, all right? If you are growing a human inside you, you are allowed to eat, all right? Um, but for everyone else, I really, really believe that we're called to this in this season. On Tuesdays, if you are led to fast more than that, praise God, go for it. I, the ask for me as a lead pastor for all of us is Tuesdays to fast because I just know there's, there's a lot going on. I know there's a lot. And I also know that Easter is coming, and I'm believing for a harvest on that Sunday. I'm believing for the church, yes, Beaches Chapel, but the church, to see an outpouring of salvations. And we got we to gotta get on our knees for that. We got to pray for that. And so that's the ask, that we would be still before the Lord, Tuesdays from 12 p.m. to 1 p.m., and that on Tuesdays also, after breakfast till 5 p.m., we would fast food. Drink your water, have your electrolytes, all that stuff. But we would give up food. We would just give that time to the Lord. And we would lay all those things that we are carrying at his feet. We would be intimate with him. We would have those deep conversations with him, those intimate conversations, because that's what he wants. Can you just, can we just pause and and even fathom for a second that the God of heaven and earth wants us to have those hard conversations with him. He's not like, don't bother me with that. Like, that's so trivial. He doesn't, he doesn't act like that. He doesn't feel like that. He wants us to lean in at the table and to do life with him, even when life is really hard. And oh, by the way, when life is really good, He wants us to lean in then too and celebrate with him as well. So that's the ask. About starting this Tuesday, 12 o'clock right in here. I think it's going to be really good. I'm going to have the band come back up. I'm going to read out of Matthew chapter 26, starting in verse 26. Jesus says this. It says, while they were eating, Jesus took bread, and when he had given thanks, he broke it and gave it to his disciples, saying, take and eat. This is my body. Then he took a cup, and when he had given thanks, he gave it to them, saying, Drink from it, all of you. This is my blood of the covenant, which is poured out for many for the forgiveness of sins. 
through the new covenant, Jesus opened the doors wide open. Wide open. For us to come and sit at the table with him. He said, come on. Do this in remembrance of me. No more clean animal, dirty animal debate. Jesus, I had this revelation this week, and you might, like, shake your head at this, but I've grown up in the church. I've been here my whole life. Got saved at a young age, taken communion several times. And we, we talk about Jesus being the spotless lamb of God, and he is. That's exactly what he is. But with, with that description, it, it can feel very holy, right, and, which it is. I'm not saying it's not, but I had this kind of epiphany this week. You know, Jesus came as a man. He left heaven and took on flesh, right, became a man walked among us. But in this situation right here with his death, if we look at the Old Testament, it was animals that were sacrificed for the atonement of our sin. So what I'm saying is, yes, he became a man, but in his, in his death as a man, it was like, it was animalistic. It was, it was like he became an animal for us, which blows my mind the humility and the love that Jesus has for us to not just become the man that walks this earth, but in his death, he became like an animal. For us. For you. And he wants intimacy. He wants relationship. He doesn't want religion. He wants us to sit at his table and have communion with him. And the Lord is so good and so powerful. He knew sacrifice like this. The only worthy was himself. Because God's that holy. Because it has to be me. I'm the only thing holy enough for me. So Jesus came. And as we participate in communion today, I want to issue this challenge to you. As you come up and receive the bread, dip it in the cup, take it. Before you come up, really ask yourself, what three things can I be grateful for as I come up and take communion today? What are three things? And try your best not to do like a Sunday school answer. What are three things in your life right now? You say, God, thank you. Thank you. You might even need to have a little time of repentance. God, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I've lost thankfulness.
life is hard, we're saying how long, how long, how long, we will choose to rejoice in your salvation because you've been good to us. If nothing else, Father, you took us from the table of demons to the table of life, the Lord's table, and you're leaning in, wanting to do life with us. We thank you that there is victory at the table. There is freedom at the table. There is thankfulness at the table. And there is life at the table. Father, for those of us in here that need to have that honest conversation with you, pray that we would do it. And we would stop pretending that everything's okay. And we would just let it all out. God, if we need to find someone else to have that same conversation with, that we would do it. Just come.